You're listening to Esports Demystified by Valor Esports. In this podcast, we take a weekly dive into the world of esports by interviewing the men and women that are shaping this amazing industry. Today's guest is Craig Winfield, Partnerships Manager at SAF Global Gaming. He's also Community Manager at First Eleven. We're extremely excited to be launching the world's first global esports club. I'll tell you a little bit more about that during the interview. For now, I'll let Sam introduce you to Craig. In today's interview, we take a look at the world of marketing and branding in esports. Craig Winfield, our guest today, started life as a professional rugby league player for rugby league powerhouse Hull FC based in the United Kingdom. After deciding to hang up the boots, Craig began a career in the world of event management in Greece. He has since worked in sales and advertising for companies such as Coca-Cola and Johnston Press. This is where Craig developed a love for competition-based events. With a passion for competitive FIFA and competitions, Craig realized his skill set and interests align with esports. Today, Craig is the Partnerships Manager for SAF GG and Community Manager at First Eleven. SAF has more than 460,000 followers and is a collective of content creators and has its own esports team with top players in its stables. First Eleven is an entertainment organization aiming to bring together creators, athletes, and gamers with an interactive online platform. Craig, an impressive skill set and career so far across rugby and esports. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, it's great to be here, guys. Not not so much rugby, but I'll, um, I'll take the I'll take the uh, the esports accolade with, uh, with a bit more uh, confidence on that one. How are you um, guys doing? Before I have to ask, uh, because as a as an Australian who's born in Queensland, um, it's fair to say my relationship with rugby league is borderlines unhealthy. Um, yeah, what was it like playing rugby league in the nineties and two thousands? It was great. You know, um, <clears throat> Hull is a big rugby city, and um, probably bigger than football actually. Um, and it's split by a river. Um, there's basically two teams and depending on what side of the river you was born on, that is pretty much the team that you support. Um, so I was quite lucky in the sense that I actually managed to play for the for the team that I supported. So, you know, it was it was great. I, I remember signing on the pitch at the uh, at the old stadium. Um, and yeah, I didn't quite make it, um, but but you know, still proud of the achievements and uh, you know the competitive side of it um, was was great. I think I think I learned some some good skills early on um, in my career. Really, I think uh, that's kind of the where this all started for Luke and I. We the story is the same story for us. I think in, in back in our both back in our backgrounds, which is we didn't quite make it, but uh, we learned a lot. Um, who was yeah. who was kind of the scariest people you ever had to tackle? Um, the, 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 I had probably the worst tackle was actually from an Australian. So you can give you, yourself, give yourselves a pat on the back. It is a guy called Dean Hanger. Um, he played for Halifax. And I, I remember I came on a, um, in, uh, for, as a substitute for the under 21s team. And I took the ball from dummy half. Um, I was not too far away from the touchline, but I actually ended up in kind of the, in, in the, in the seat. <laughs> in about the of the seat, uh, and that was kind of my introduction to kind of um, second grade rugby league. I guess it was uh, it was a bit of a rude awakening. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, were you a, were you a gamer growing up? Yes, certainly. So you know, I um, I'm going to be giving my age away a little bit here, but um, I, I started gaming um, right. From, from the off, really, with, with things like Pong. Um, I had a Commodore 64 um, and then an Amiga, which, you know, was awesome for sensible soccer. That was probably my first kind of real football game that, that I really got into. Um, and then followed the consoles right through. Um, you know, Mega Drive was big and N64. Um, so, yeah, it's always something that's been there. In my life from being quite an early age um some so there's quite a few songs and memories that you know bring me back to the time that i was playing a certain game so yeah it's, I, I think to be honest it's probably the one constant in my life it's always <laughs> been there and what where did your kind of esports journey really begin we're going to get into a little bit more about your professional background uh corporate professional yeah. background but where did your mm. kind of how did you get drawn into esports or when did you really start to learn about it? Yeah, so about two and a half years ago, um, 
it's it's kind of a hobby that that got a little bit out of control in in a sense. Um, I actually joined SAF as um, as a as a member as a fan. I guess I've been watching um, what those, these guys are doing for a while, and quite admittedly, I'm not the best FIFA player in the world. Um, and I actually joined just to get some tips to get better at the game. Um, and really sort of loved what the guys are doing um, and joined their premium Discord, which is kind of a really cool trading platform that allows people to get tips from pro players and helps them to make coins. And I pretty much progressed from, from kind of being a member to helping the team out. Um, and then I got speaking to the founder, Callum. Uh, and we sort of had a bit of a chat about my skill set and the stuff that I'd done previously. Um, and then that, yeah, somehow ended up me kind of um, leading up SAF in terms of the marketing and advertising and looking for brand partnerships and sponsors. Um, so it's been a, a crazy journey, really, um, probably quite an unusual one. Um, you know, I, think, I think a lot of esports, people that work within esports, generally come from slightly different background or they, they've been very good gamers and they maybe found a business from, from that, from prize money. Um, so, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a bit of a crazy journey, really. A, a kind of uh, a, the guy who was fan um, turned into kind of um, forging a little bit of a career from it. Hi, my name's Nick and I'm one of the co-founders of Valor Esports. I just wanted to take a few seconds to talk to you about this world-first global esports club that we're launching. There's more information available on our website at valoresports.com, but the gist of it is that there's one-on-one -on -one and team coaching sessions and we apply real-world sports theory to esports. For more information or to contact us, head to valoresports.com. I want to to dive into one topic that um, that you you kind of explain uh, in your journey with uh, SAF is that you mentioned that you join um, as a as a like we just wanted to get some tips mm. and you ended up leading the marketing strategy for 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 SAF. I I want to maybe like for for the audience that would want to understand how these kind of things can happen in the esports industry. What, yeah. Like, what does this journey look like in terms of maybe not like the detailed step, but the gradual step from the moment where you join to the moment where you actually end up being leading the marketing strategy for them? Yeah, sure. I think I think a lot of the the effort and the time that I've put in and the motivation kind of comes from being a fan. Um, so, so I was kind of leading the the Discord um, uh, up until about eighteen months ago, and that was mainly. To, to bring in new members. I was kind of working on the marketing side there, um, a lot on social media, um, sort of co converting people that were interested in joining, having discussions with them. Um, do you know, we did a really good job. We've now got the largest Discord in, in the world that's kind of the largest paid fee for Discord. Um, so I guess really it was, it was a case of taking quite small steps, learning learning what our audience likes, the type of content that we put out, um, but also working quite closely with, with different parts of the team. So obviously when I, when I joined SAF, I wasn't a streamer. I wasn't a professional esports player. Um, and I'd not, I've not really worked within esports as a, as a niche, I guess. So I guess what I did really is kind of take a look at my skill set and where that could be best applied. Um, and, and, and also kind of looked at, you know, similar scenarios. So in a sales position or a marketing position, you know, if I've been selling soft drinks or if I've been selling print advertising, you know, how does that skill set and how does that knowledge transpire into esports? So by kind of using some of the knowledge that I already had, and also probably making some mistakes along the way and kind of learning along the way as well. You know, that's kind of led me to a stage now where I've got a really good understanding of our organization, the wider ecosystem. I've still got stuff to learn. You know, there's probably people watching this out who have a lot more experience and knowledge than myself, um, but I've really had to, you know, take a lot of my own spare time to really look at what other brands are doing, what orgs are doing, you know, which types of brands are coming into this space, where there might be potential for brands that are not coming into this space. Um, so it's been almost a, a self-led learning journey, but it's been underpinned by the fact that I love the brand, I love the game, 
And, you know, I work with a really cool set of guys. So I think anybody who's trying to maybe take that route, I think it's really important to make sure that you're doing it with something that, that interests you. Because if it interests you and you're passionate about it, you know, you will be, you'll be more consistent, you'll learn more, you'll pick up more, and you'll also be more motivated to go out and, and kind of self-teach yourself a little bit as well. That's very insightful. I think uh, one of the things that you mentioned and um, that kind of um, scared us at the beginning when we started the Valorisport journey is that we are not professional gamers and, and we, um, we didn't know, a, I mean, we knew some things about gaming, but um, the only exposition we had to eSport was what's exposed. So the, the streaming and also the professional gamers. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of um, young play, either players or young um, students that wants to get involved in eSports, <laughs> they might not realize that behind the players, there are like a big ecosystem and a big industry that's, uh, that's running. And depending, even if you're studying or you want to work in another field, there is still a lot of opportunities within the, the industry. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, you know, it's probably similar to professional sports in many ways where everybody growing up in the playground wants to be a football player or a rugby player or a basketball player. <clears throat> that is kind of the headline. That's, that's the part that everybody sees and probably emulates to. But that is a very, very small percentage of that ecosystem. And if you, uh, in my opinion, if you're passionate about, you know, you would love to be that person who is in that 1%, that passion by not being able to be there can drive you into that ecosystem and still give you, you know, a great career and a lot of enjoyment from, from your job. You know, I mean, if you think 20 years ago when I was playing GoldenEye on the Nintendo 64, did I ever think that I'd be, you know, talking about FIFA all day? Probably not. It's, it's a dream come true, really. So, yeah, there's lots of opportunities out there. And I think you need to look past, you know, the fact that you don't have to be awesome at the game. You don't have to be a content creator. Um, you can build things kind of organically as a brand if you want to build up your own brand, but you can also, you know, work within those support functions and, and be successful at it. Yeah, thank you. And just before we jump into another uh, another topic, or um, uh, I have one one thing that I'm really curious about uh, because you mentioned that you joined SAF as you joined the Discord, and mm. and after you worked uh, like you work as um, helping them with the branding because of your skills. How does that process look like? How did you engage with the with the SAF uh, moderator or owner at the time and how did you volunteer first and how does that process look like for someone who wants to get involved um like so you, we can get from your experience yeah i, I think it's it's if, if you're going to be part of a community I, um you know we we have a lot of guys in our community that that kind of probably watch from a distance a little bit um they still interact with us you know they still tick over our stream views and our analytics but they might not be the most vocal people within our community um now that's not to say these guys might not have some excellent skill sets but if they want to be involved with an organization or an esports organization and, and come from probably where i did i think it's really important to to make sure that you are uh, leading from the front almost in terms of the interactions that you're having with the rest of the community now there can be quite a bit of toxicity on social media mm -hmm. and in, within certain games you know it's important to to stay clear from from those types of discussions um, and just be professional helpful fun um and you know it, it, i kept from in my example it, you know the guys sort of approached me and said look we we like the way that you come across we've seen you helping other members would you like to join our team um, and i joined as a as a fifa trader i just taught people how to make fifa coins in a discord um and then from that you know i started then to to look at the skills i had and the experience and and kind of started to question hey guys you know you've got this really cool platform with all of these followers what are you doing to tell brands about this and what sponsors do you have so i think because of my background a little bit my, my brain started ticking a little bit and i thought do you know what i could probably help these guys out and it would be really cool and if i'm completely honest at the start i maybe didn't even think that there could be a career in it 
I just did it because it was cool and, uh, <laughs> and because I really, uh, you know, I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, I, I think the, the the underlying thing is, you know, if you do something that you love and you're passionate about it and you express that within that community, it makes the discussions much easier when you you maybe go to see the um, the guy who started the brand, the founder, or one of the managers, and just say, "Hey, look, this is me. You've probably seen me. What can I do to work with you guys and help you out?" Yeah, and I think that's um, it's really interesting. It's it's at the age that esports is still at, even though it's not completely new, it still requires that inter, I guess that interconnection between people to to keep developing. Um, it's not. Mm-hmm. you know, nearly, I'd say nearly 99% of the people we've spoken to so far have alluded to the fact that it's, they've built their opportunities through um, lack of a better word, networking uh, or talking to people and actually yeah. building a relationship with the people that they're involved with. Um, and I think that's a huge, huge part of it is how can you first, and you know, you're lucky because you actually really loved what you were doing. So it was really easy to actually, build that connection. And I think if, if you follow that advice, it, it should be quite simple. It's yeah, you're passionate about yeah. it, talk to people about it and things will start to happen, which is really yeah. cool. I wanted to ask for anyone who might not be completely across it. What is SAF GG and is it similar to other esports brands or is it, is it unique in its own way? I would say that we are quite unique. Um, from the outside in, we have an esports team, we have a content creation team, we have social media, we have a Discord. So I think for, for many people that that would come across SAF externally and see us as a brand, they would probably say, oh, yeah, okay, we see what these guys do. They're a FIFA esports brand and, and they're into gaming and entertainment. Quite interestingly, we, we've... We, we've kind of taken a different route. Um, our founder, Callum, uh, he used to leave really long-winded reviews um, on people on a Facebook group, which was another Facebook FIFA group. And, you know, people used to say to him, hey, mate, you need to really get out more. And, you know, do you have a girlfriend? <laughs> it was almost kind of at the stage where they're like, look, mate, you know, th- th- these reviews are taking up my feed. <laughs> So, so he decided to go off and set his own group up. You know, he decided that these people weren't serious enough about FIFA and set up his own group. Um, and basically that Facebook group exploded to about 40,000 people very quickly. Um, and from there, that's where we put the, the, the Discord, which is a paid service. So it was kind of, you know, a freemium service where we had Loads of advice on the Facebook group, but if you wanted the extra step and to speak to kind of pro players, people that are really good at the game, we charged a monthly fee. And from that, that allowed us then to build and sign an esports team. Um, and that is completely community funded. So, you know, what's really cool is that we can say to our guys in our Discord, hey guys, we've just got a guy who's qualified in the Premier League. You, you paid for that. And the engagement and the feeling within the community is, is awesome. I think that's really unique to, to what we do. Um, and again, with the content creation team, you know, we started with guys that we saw potential in. They didn't have hundreds of thousands of followers or subscribers. They, so I mean, one guy had about 40, 40 followers on Twitter when we found him, and they had about five people in his streams. And we, we randomly managed to come across this guy on Twitch. We thought, hey, this guy's really good. We took him on board. We boosted his social media. And um, about three months ago, he was actually on a TV program in the UK, uh, which was kind of a, a, a gamer's challenge. You know, we built that guy up to, to kind of that level. So, so we are very different. We, we, we approach things from a grassroots level. Um, we help new people get into the, into the esports scene. Um, and yeah, we uh, we are community funded, um, pretty much community funded, which is which is quite unique. Yeah, and I'm, I'm I'm hearing pretty consistent message um, from from yourself, Craig, and, and also from the research that we did before before talking to you, um, that it sounds like SAF has a really healthy community. And I wanted to ask you why is community so important? Um, to SAF and 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 the, and the development of a brand. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's important first of all to you know everybody has to start from somewhere, 
And if you engage with your community properly, that's the way that it's going to grow. You know, people are going to share your content. They're going to tell their friends. And in the early stages, it's really important to, to build that community feeling. Um, now, <clears throat> the way that we, we grew in the very early days is that we actually had volunteers. So similar to myself in the Discord a few years ago, if we saw a guy that was very active and he was helping other people, you know, we actually gave that guy a social media account. You know, it could be Saf James or Saf John. Um, and we said to that guy, okay, here's your, here's your social media account. You know, when we post something on our socials, you, you almost become a, moder a moderator and a part of the team. So, so right now today we have, don't you, it's probably over 60 people that have Saf in front of their name. We've, we've branded, um, you know, banners and, and, and profile pictures. And I think that that gives, gives us the, uh, you know, a different, a different way to interact with our fans because essentially everybody buys into the brand that follows us, but they feel like they're being almost touched and, and affected and interacted with by part of the team where I often see, you know, certain brands or certain organizations, they put content out and the comments are just really people answering. There's not really any interaction from that social media account or, or other parts of the team. So how that ties into kind of if, you, if you're moving into the latter stages where you want to speak to brands and, and organizations about sponsorship and brand activations, that, that just massively helps analytics. So, so when we put a tweet out and we ask our community a question or we do a giveaway for a brand or we, you know, provide, uh, we share some content, they're massively engaged because one, they trust us, they like us, they've built up what they feel is a personal connection with us. But then also we have our guys in there interacting too and saying, you know, what do you think to this FIFA player? Oh yeah, this guy's great. And then one of our guys might come in and say, actually, I've been using him. You need to get this guy. And it becomes a very organic system where everybody is interacting with each other without toxicity um, and I think that that's really important because, you know, that to get brands to buy into your organization, <clears throat> what really matters is the analytics and the numbers that come out of the other side. And if you've built that community in that way, your analytics will, will head in the right direction and grow. And that is what will be able to engage brands into, into your organization. It's, um, yeah, it's such an incredible strategy. I think it's... It, you, you, you hear about it. I mean, at uni, you hear about, you know, they talk about, oh, you got to build a community, you got to build a community, but you really yeah. actually see it at, at a really successful level um, across multiple industries and esports. You mm. we, we've talked about it earlier as well with the toxicity that is involved. It's quite, I could see it being quite easy early on for it to get, um, I guess, mutate a little bit in, in a negative way. And it sounds like you guys have yes. managed that manage that really well is there any strategies that you've gone come across uh from your from your background in corporate a bit more corporate and event management that haven't quite worked or you don't think will work in esports um that's a good question um i i personally i think i'm a i'm a big believer that esports I, the wider esports ecosystem is is doing is doing great things, um, and and a, a something that I, I read on social media recently is that every esports fan is a gamer, but every gamer is not an esports fan. <clears throat> so sometimes what I see is is maybe organisations gaming or. or or esports organizations really trying to push home the professional esports message. You know, we're awesome at the game. Come and follow us. And I think that's great. You know, if you've got these guys that are actually amazing at the game, you're probably going to have a lot of money already because these guys are cheap. Um, 
but my you know yeah I, I think the advice to to those guys that are really pushing the, the competitive side of esports is is to make sure that you build that community behind you uh, because there is still a big market of people that aren't solely interested in esports but are still gamers they probably still play the same game as you guys and if you interact with those guys that will only grow your your brand and, and even convert some more casual gamers into esports um, so yeah, I think there's a few examples that I've seen where it feels a bit heavy, a little bit competitive, which is great. But I think it's also important to have that underlying entertainment sort of softer side to a brand as well. Cool. I want to to jump to one um, one topic that really. Um, interests me and it's part of what you said around that you're trying to pick the player that are not too big and then grow them help them grow um, and uh, I, I wonder what is a success path that you see for a player like like from the moment when you take him to uh, like as a big not a beginner but a beginner in the professional scene I would yeah. say to the mm -hmm. moment what is uh, kind of your goal for the players do you have the goal to be managing him forever or just bringing him to a certain level and then getting him into another team? Do you have this kind of strategy already or is it just uh, something that you manage on a case by case? Yeah, I, th I think we manage it. Um, our strategy right from the beginning has been to try to find, uh, to, to try to find players that <clears throat> have potential and with coaching and with Um, advice they they can go further in the game and elevate their position which you know if you do it right and they start to win major tournaments it elevates the brand uh, alongside them too um, so so uh, we did go after that strategy in the, you know in the first year in esports and we did okay you know we got some guys through to some tournaments we we had a guy called um, Kyle Hammond that, that got through to the um, the final of the e premier league representing chelsea which which was really cool But what we also realized is that we lacked experience. And, and this is, I guess, where it's probably similar to, to sporting teams, where you know it's absolutely fantastic to have a, a great academy setup and an under-21 setup where you've got a lot of young guys that have got massive potential. These guys don't always have the, the most natural leadership abilities. So we this year, we, we actually implemented two guys who are seasoned pros. They've been around on the scene a lot longer, um, probably going to be their last one or two years in esports, and, and eventually we'll probably move into coaching for us as well. So I think it's really important to get a, a bit of a mix, really. You know, that is our strategy is, You know, we've got these guys that are very experienced in the scene. They've grown their social channels and their individual followings. They've played for big teams. Um, and these guys can really pass down their knowledge and experience to the younger guys in, in a lot of areas. Um, but, yeah, if, if um, you know, it, again, like real-world sports, um, our guys are under contract. If they reach the point where we need to talk about transfer fees, um, then, yeah, you know, it, it could be a game-changer for brands. If you just get all of a sudden get a guy who comes from nowhere um, and, you know, one of the multi-million pound organizations wants to sign this guy, that could probably... You know, the, the, the money that that would put into the organization would probably allow us to, to get 10 more academy players. So it's, um, yeah, we want our guys to stay with us as long as possible. Um, the brand has to grow at the same rate as these guys, um, you know, for that to be possible at the same time. Really cool. And um, this is something that we are also really passionate about, about helping the, the not beginner, but beginner, beginner in this ecosystem, in the in the professional uh, scene or the competitive scene. Um, yeah. And uh, one, one question that I have is, uh, you have helped uh, different players uh, doing, doing that step. Did you see any common pattern in things that those players that had to learn or that you feel that your organization was really helpful for them that, uh, to educate them around things that they wouldn't be able to achieve by themselves? Yeah, certainly. I, I think that, um, that there's probably a few areas, really. I, I think one similarity is that we often see that, that pro esports players are very, very good at the game. Um, you know, these guys are very strict. Their routine is good. Their, their drive and hunger to get better is good. Um, 
But as I've mentioned earlier, you know, there is a big market in, in, in you know, increasing your following and your own personal brand within an organization. So one of the things that we do for the guys that are interested is we hook them up with our content creation team. And we allow them to maybe co-stream alongside the guys initially. We give them lots of tips and advice on how to make fun and interesting streams, how to speak confidently into the microphone, and then also all of the technical stuff. You know, these guys need to set stream overlays. They need to set um, bots in their chats. So we give them all of that knowledge. And that allows their, these guys then, when they start playing well in tournaments, to go and talk to people about it within their streams and they then create their own fan base. So that's one of the things that we, we do quite a lot. Um, and the other major thing is it, they need game time against other very good players to progress. If these guys are just playing in Division One in in foot in foot rivals, which is you know the, the the whole population of FIFA players, they might only get one in ten games, which actually challenges them. So we put these guys into kind of a pool that we've created, uh, where there's lots of pros from different teams at different levels, and we know that. You know, if we have a guy that's kind of here and he needs to get here, he's going to get there by playing these guys. Um, so that's something that we do in their development to make them better at the game. But we also put a lot of time and effort into if they want to be a streamer and a content creator, we, we help them along the way with that as well. Great. And that, that's really cool that you have this pool of professional player helping as well, because it, it's true that at a certain level, you might not find like, the pass to start playing at the other level because all the other players are either under contract or you don't have access to those players. Yeah, uh, I think one thing that is great about the professional FIFA scene is that the majority of teams and players know that they need to play each other to progress and they are quite, you know, it's a good community. Um, it's not a community I'm massively involved with because um, I don't really fancy getting beat 20 nil at half time by these guys. Uh, but, you know, uh, our esports coach, you know, he, he speaks quite highly of some of the guys that are playing for big organizations and actually helping guys that are just starting out. And uh, I think that's quite a, quite a good thing uh, that's happening in FIFA esports right now. Great. And uh, so, I, I just want to to give a bit of um, give a question that we give a bit of advice for the beginner player, like things that we are really focusing on at uh, Valois Pod before they even actually reach the level where you can see them as potential. Do you have any advice uh, for those players? Let's say I'm uh, 13, 14 years old. I, I start playing uh, FIFA. What are the main thing that I, I need to focus on if I want to, to be at the point where I could join uh, SAF as an organization? Yeah, I think it's important to, to try and get into um, competitions, put yourself into a, a competitive situation. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, platforms out there that allow you to enter competitions and tournaments. Um, you know, you might have a tournaments at school or college or university um you know i think it's playing uh, online weekend league or game modes where you're just kind of connecting to to random people it's going to be quite random in the sense that you don't know the skill level of the player that you're going to match whereas if you put yourself into a competitive um kind of world and you're playing guys that are potentially better than you you know if you get beat by that guy then it's it's important to 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 look at why and i think i think one of the tips that we always say to our guys is you know if you've got the ability to you you, you know get get yourself the ability to record your games you know so that then if you get beat you can go back and look over if you move the defender out of place or your pass wasn't quite right you know, you can then go back and analyze your game. So you could get a capture card, a cheap capture card, and just start recording your games. And the ones where you lose, you need to go back and look at why. Um, see if you can see if you can fix that. I, you know, it's really interesting. It sounds like SAF has really aligned itself. I know it's a cliche to say esports and, and, and traditional sports, but you, I'm listening to these kind of conversations, you can hear the game theory that exists, uh, that you've, you've really mm -hmm. developed your approach. I mean, it's almost like 
you know, businesses strive so hard to have that input of you've even realized, and I'm not, I'm not maybe, and do you think it's, is this something that's natural between all the kind of the leaders at SAF or is it just something you think you've got from your background in rugby in, in rugby league that this understanding that, okay, well, we've got a lot of talented young players here, but we actually need some experience, even if they're not as good talent wise yeah. currently. Um, I mean, this is something, uh, this is something I'm, I've been whinging about, about my own team, Brisbane Broncos um, yeah. <laughs> for the last <laughs> two years is they need leadership. Um, it, yeah. I'm hearing that as well from yourself, that there's a real traditional sports, approach to everything you guys do would you would you kind of yeah. is that something you've meant to do or is it just natural well I, I think it's it's born from um learning <clears throat> you know when we first got the esports team i think that we had guys coming from other teams um and one of the first things we did is ask them what they liked about that team and what they didn't like about that team um and we, we kind of draw, drew a little bit from, from those guys' feedback and experience. And, you know, we said to these guys, what type of org do you want? You know, and, and what we heard a lot was we want, we, want a, we want somebody that can, you know, lead us and who can almost mentor us. But we also want to be, feel part of a team. And, and one sort of clear message that we got through quite often was that, it was almost like Formula One where these two guys are walking out for the same team. Deep down, these guys can't stand each other <laughs> and they want to beat them to the podium and beat them to, to a pole position. And I think esports, you know, for, for, from, the, from some of the feedback that, that we've had, you know, a lot of teams just have two players. They're often vying for a spot. And, you know, if one guy's performance drops off, he might get replaced. So it can be quite competitive in that way. So we, we've we got a bigger team. We've got, I think, nine players now. And that really allows us to bring in lots of different personalities. Um, you know, we have leaders. We have the jokers in the team that everybody needs. We have the guys that um, are quite serious. And, and between the whole team, you know, they, they fit into, I guess, what a traditional sports coach would look for. You know, it's, it's almost like a jigsaw trying to find the right people to fit into that sort of team ethos. So, yeah, it's, uh, we, we have approached it. Um, I think some of the things we've had to learn along the way, but we've, we've tried to look at the feedback from players and emulate, you know, traditional sports in that way, which is no, uh, it's cool. I think it's, uh, I think it's really inspirational from, I mean, that's something that, we, you know, we've developed our whole concept off, which is um, traditional sports model to teach beginner gamers that you need consistency, you yeah. need a structure and an approach that um, might not work. It might, you know, it works for 90% of the populations that you can get everyone progressing a lot faster. Um, yeah. what, I, what I wanted to, I, I'm also listening to talk about SAF and you, you, you allude to these multi-million dollar organizations um, being, I guess, at a, at a different level to you guys currently. Um, yeah. Where does SAF really see itself in the next three to five years? And, and how, where, where are you guys kind of really targeting to, to push, the, push the company to? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, we, we still feel that we have um, some, some headroom in, in the FIFA market, even, even within the UK. Uh, we still have, um, we're probably now, you know, in the top two or three organizations in terms of following, followers size, in terms of, of, of FIFA teams within the UK. In Europe, we're, we're probably getting close to the, maybe the top 20. Um, so we, we still want to kind of solidify our position within FIFA esports and FIFA gaming and the FIFA community and grow that. Um, longer term, uh, we would we would probably look at other games. Um, you know, I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with the prize money in FIFA, but it's um, it's it's nothing compared to some of the the other games like Call of Duty, League of Legends. You know, these guys are, are millionaires. Who, if you come second in a tournament, you, you could probably set up your own esports org if if you needed to in some games. So. Um, yeah, I, I think for us, we want to to potentially, you know, the the, the branding now is SAF Global Gaming, so we, we we will look into other games, probably look at other football games, and one of our partners, First Eleven, which is the entertainment platform. These guys are going to have a lot of content creators uh, in Brazil, 
Um, so, you know, we're hoping that we can bring some of these guys. Uh, I think it's difficult to get a more passionate country than, than Brazil, probably, in terms of football. So, so the hope is that by working with these guys and having um, the ability to connect with that market, you know, that will, will help grow us a little bit more internationally as well. Um, so, yeah, I'd say it's a short term, be the number one in UK and Europe. Mid, middle term would be, um, you know, growing into different countries within FIFA and long term would be um, other games and, and basically taking the model that we've got and putting that into another game if possible and, and starting from the ground up in a sustainable way as well. That's, yeah, okay, That's that sounds really exciting. And in terms of your role as a branding partnerships manager, what what is that? What is, what is your piece of the puzzle? What is if someone's in your who you know wants to be in this world, working as a marketer or a brander, listening to that potential strategy and, and where where you guys want to go? What will you be doing, and how do how do you kind of help the team get there as well? Yeah, yeah. So for me, um, <clears throat> you know, speaking to brands there. There, there are already brands that, that are in gaming. They understand the space um, and they're maybe looking to extend what they do in other games into FIFA. Um, but there's a lot of brands that that have never come into this space and they're, they're maybe quite nervous. They're quite tentative. Um, they don't understand the space. So when I speak to, to some partnerships managers from traditional brands that are maybe non-endemic in terms of gaming, you know, we have to kind of spend some time with these guys almost um, educating them into, you know, why um, the analytics are different, how we create a fan base, how our, our community can interact with, with our content creators and pro team. Um, so I think that's kind of the, the value added thing that probably myself and a lot of either organization owners or, or other partnership managers that are working in esports right now. Um, you know, it's, it's a case of, of trying to help these guys understand the potential, but also understand how big it is right now. Um, you know, when I speak to um, uh, brand partnership managers from brands, you know, they, they would never think that we have a bigger social media following than a Premier League football club. But we do. Um, and, you know, these guys are a different demographic to to traditional football teams. They're maybe younger, they're more tech savvy. <clears throat> so it's really an education piece um, sometimes with, with, you know, helping brands understand the space. Uh, but I think esports, you know, still got a lot to learn. I think, I think there's still way to go until um, everything lands properly. But it's an it's a very exciting and and rapidly growing space to to, to be part of. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I I don't I didn't even think about that. The fact that you you probably would have a stronger following than a lot of um, sports, you know, older sport brands. Um, you definitely have a lot more than Australian football clubs, uh, <laughs> which is which is pretty funny. Um, when you when people you know obviously who coming from the outside in. A lot of people still look at esports and they're unaware of the the enormous um, economic growth that's happening inside it. So it's quite funny to think that you guys have actually already toppled some of these other organizations. Yeah, we, we've already we've talked about community and how how important that is, and and also in terms of creating your own opportunities for your career, you need to build a network and build relationships with people in the community. What would you, what, is there anything else you would recommend to someone um, similar to yourself? They've, they've got a corporate background in branding and marketing, um, sales, and, and they really are starting to take an interest in esports. Is there anything else that you'd recommend? Um, I was even going to ask, do you think, you know, education for esports around branding and marketing is essential or is it something that you can, you can develop on your own terms? I think, you know, I think the lucky thing now for, for people that are looking to get into this space is that there are qualifications becoming available at colleges and universities. Um, I think there's still kind of a little bit of um, a cloud around gaming and esports that it's going to lead to a sedentary lifestyle and it's kind of still got that sort of stigma attached to it. But, but I think what's really positive is that there are people um, certainly in the UK that are really pushing that into the education system to say, 
you know, to, to people's parents that, you know, there is a career in esports and it doesn't have to be sat in front of a computer 24 hours a day, you know, eating, eating chocolate and, and drinking energy drinks. You know, this is a vibrant, growing space. Um, esports team, so ourselves, we've we partnered with Revolution Esports and, you know, alongside these guys, we, we, we really help to kind of portray a healthy message to our guys. You know, we, we want them to stay hydrated, to exercise. Um, so I think that that education piece is important for the education system to kind of move with the times a little bit. So, so there's definitely an opportunity for people to go the educational route. Um, for me, um, you know, I, I kind of did it a slightly different way. Um, and for me, it was a case of, okay, I, my nine to five job, <clears throat> like everybody else, uh, normally you, you click off at five o'clock and, you know, you head to the TV or the, the Xbox. For me, it was, okay, now I start my second job. <clears throat> and that was, you know, I've watched YouTube videos. I've, uh, my, I've grew my LinkedIn profile quite quickly, started listening to a lot of podcasts, um, a lot of educational things, but also just being involved in a brand and seeing what other people were doing in the space i spent a lot of time 16 hour days you know then i'd get a proposal request through that needed finishing the, the next day and i've pulled a few all-nighters to get them done so so there's quite a few different routes in you know and i think you know if, if you're a young person or if you are able to 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 get into the educational side of it i would definitely recommend it but I'd also recommend trying to get some practical work experience whilst you're doing it as well, because that will put you in a, in a much stronger position when you look to apply for permanent positions within esports and gaming. I just want to say on behalf of Luke and myself, that we're glad someone else is also working these massive 16 hour days. I think, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, we've done. Yeah, no, I think uh, we often laugh about the 3am podcast to meet new people. So, um, it's yeah. uh it's yeah it's 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 definitely the the approach we're taking so that that question was for others but also mainly for ourselves so we wanted to know <laughs> that we're on the right track I, don't worry guys i'm with you <laughs> there's no such thing as nine to five <laughs> and in terms of esports you've started to talk about this growth um from an education point of view where do you really see esports um over the next 10 years is it going to adapt even more into the mainstream or is it is it going to go in a different direction? Is it, What do you think is personally happening? I, I, I think personally I can only see it, see it growing and uh, moving into other, other areas. Um, and when you look at some of the, the massive gaming organisations that are doing collaborations with, you know, coffee brands and fashion brands, sports teams, you know, you've even got um, cross-pollination with things like Fortnite and, and, and Pele, you know, the, the, the guy who's a legend in football. I think gaming will start to access more areas of, of people's lives and, and different parts. And I think, I think the interesting thing is, is that a lot of people, when they think of gaming, is, is it's, you know, it, it's literally somebody on an xbox or a console but there's a lot of mobile gamers out there as well especially in brazil which is an area that we're looking to, to work in you know more developing countries these guys have mobiles um and and you know when brands kind of start to realize that this thing is so huge um i think it will explode with a lot of big partnerships and yeah it's really exciting for me you know I'm, I'm waiting for the day until there is a you know kind of like an old school game show but it's actually gaming you know and everybody's watching somebody kind of play fall guys or fifa at primetime tv and, th and that becomes the norm a little bit i think i think entertainment and fashion and esports and gaming is is kind of colliding at the moment and, and what will come out of it could be could be quite exciting yeah it's interesting i i weirdly had a vision the other day i don't know i thought about it on a you've kind of got your your really serious interview shows but i can imagine that happening while they're actually still gaming so you can have yeah. like, <laughs> be interviewing, you know, uh, a war veteran who did something amazing 
from my age group, but they're actually gaming as they have that discussion. Cause that's just, rep, you know, that's the same as what you, you do with your mates that you have some pretty serious yeah. conversations, but you're also trying to smash each other at FIFA. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, anybody that works in esports, they're probably bending the truth a little if they say that they've been on a call that didn't include videos and went secretly kind of <laughs> gra- grinding some sort of objectives in the background. Um, I think everybody can hold their hands up to that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess one of my, my our, you know, one of our favorite questions and, and something we do just before we sign off is it, if you were an esports god and you had, you know, abundance of power to change the industry or, or maneuver the industry in any way, what would you do to make it even better? Oh, that's a very good question. In my opinion, it would be to totally alleviate toxicity. Um, You know, gaming is fun. It's supposed to be a break from politics and things that are going on in the world and people arguing about Brexit or the pandemic and world leaders, you know, if you're going to come into the gaming space, for me, you, you go in there to get away from this stuff. So let's all just be nice to each other and have a good time. So if I was a god, that that is exactly what I would do. I think. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually we need to make sure put this on note, Luke. We need to go get all the footage of everyone who said that to us. So everyone wants it, and it's interesting <laughs> that you know the business leaders of esports yeah. want to do it. So I think. Uh, I'm hoping that passion and that energy of that does work towards that, which is really cool. Um, before yeah, before yeah. we leave, how, how can people get in contact with you um, and also keep up to date with what Seth GG is doing? Yeah, so we've got um, our um, Twitter handle is Saf underscore GG. Uh, on Twitter, which is our esports uh, Twitter handle. Um, um, if you wanted to speak to me on LinkedIn, um, you know, it's Craig Winfield. And then, yeah, you can contact me and connect there. I'm always happy to, to network and help anybody that I can that wants to get into this space or already in the space and, and looking to collaborate. Awesome. And any events coming up that we need to know about? Yeah. So, so right now we have um, the E-Premier League. So we have one guy that has qualified for Aston Villa which is cool. We also have another guy that has qualified for Chelsea. And we've also got four more guys. So so hopefully Manchester United, Liverpool, and I need to test my knowledge here, I think Mm -hmm. Brighton um, and Arsenal. So potentially, you know, if you if you want to look at, there we go, we've got enough. So if you want to get into, you know, if you want to go check out competitive esports, um, you know, take a look at some of the Premier League clubs Twitter pages. And some of these guys are really getting behind esports, and you know, you should be, or you can come to our Twitter page and um, you know, follow the, the guys' progress. And hopefully, at the end of the week, we'll have um, four or five guys representing Premier League teams uh, in the e Premier League, which would be awesome. Yeah, incredible. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, really, really enjoyed this conversation and just really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Esports Demystified by Valor Esports. That was Craig Winfield. You can connect with him on LinkedIn by searching his name or you can connect with SAF on Twitter at SAF underscore GG. Would you like to join the world's first global esports club? We're taking recruits. For more information or to contact us, head to ValorEsports.com. And in terms of social media, you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram under the username Valor underscore E Academy. And you can reach us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Valor dot esports dot academy.